Welcome to This AmeriCorps Life, the official Arizona Serve podcast by AmeriCorps members for AmeriCorps members, past, present, and future. And here is your host, Sarah Haber. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of This AmeriCorps Life. I am your host, Sarah Haber. It is Friday, a beautiful day down here in Tucson, and I have the pleasure of hanging out with our AmeriCorps member, Libby, who serves with Friends of Aphasia. Hey, Libby, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here this Friday. I am really excited to get to talk to you on this podcast because... You serve with your the organization Friends of Aphasia, and this has been a new site for us this year that Arizona Serve has partnered with. So I'm just excited to be able to talk to you about the organization, about your passions, and kind of why you have decided to volunteer and, and help out with this, this neat organization. Yeah, excellent. I can't wait. I'm glad that it's a new partnership. So I think for most individuals, folks don't know exactly what aphasia is. And so I think before we kind of dive into everything we're going to be talking about today, I'm wondering if you could maybe define for us what exactly is aphasia. Okay. Yeah, I can try to keep it concise. Uh, aphasia is a, lo- a loss of language. So it's, it's a communication disorder and it's specific to language. So that means that people may have trouble um, speaking, they may have trouble comprehending speech, they may have trouble reading or writing. So all of those things, or just some of those things can be affected. It really depends on the person. And there are two different ways that someone can, can get aphasia. And it is, is something, it's not, you're not necessarily born with it. Um, often it happens after a traumatic brain injury, which could be a stroke or an impact. Um, and sometimes it accompanies like neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. So it can be a bit confusing because other things can, can be affected as well from those like mobility, memory, but that's not what aphasia is. Aphasia is, it's really important to know that pure aphasia is a loss of language, not intellect. Thank you for defining that. When I had first reached out to Fabi, who is your supervisor, I had to do a little bit of research myself on what exactly aphasia was before kind of talking with her about some of the volunteer needs that um, you have at the organization. So I guess kind of now diving into that, what exactly is the mission of Friends of Aphasia here in Tucson? Well, we definitely want to improve the lives of people with aphasia, just overall. Um, Communication is pretty key to every meaningful part of life. I mean, even if it's with your family at home or out in the community, I mean, these things are, this is something that most people just take for granted. You know, you, you build it, you have it, but to have it kind of ripped away suddenly from you is just... It's, it's massively life-changing and it, very difficult to navigate. And people with aphasia often, well, it's possible that they can become really, you know, isolated and depressed. It's, it's hard when we live in a really fast-paced world. Information is getting thrown at you so quickly all the time. Um, and it's hard to manage that. So 
what we hate to see is is for folks to get withdrawn and isolated and then that snowball into depression and other health issues. We want to prevent that. And then also, of course, communication is a two-way street. So it's not just about helping the person with aphasia, but their caregivers, their spouse, their family members. And I guess to kind of help paint the picture for those who are hearing about aphasia for the first time, what are some of those barriers that folks with aphasia face? Okay, so the uh, kind of the hallmark of aphasia would be word finding issues. So your words are there, your vocabulary is there, but finding finding the word that you're looking for is almost always a problem. So I think the communication aspect is probably probably the biggest part. And you know, the people around you might learn to to be patient, um, but oftentimes people will try to help. They'll try to guess what you're trying to say, which then can be confusing if you're getting offered all these words and you're already trying to find a word. Um, I was, I'm doing so much research on this myself because I'm still learning. I heard someone with aphasia put it beautifully. And she said, it's like, it's like looking for a parking spot. Like, even if I can't find the right one, just give me a minute and I'll find, I'll find one that works. So, but again, this is like, this varies. It's a huge spectrum. Yeah. I obviously don't know what that is like, but in my own experiences of having conversations with someone where I really just want to express how I'm feeling and really just kind of get out everything that's on my mind. I think that sometimes when folks try to help identify what it is that I'm either feeling or wanting to say, even I kind of get irritated by that. And, you know, I don't have aphasia. So right, for, right. for someone who does have that, you know, that's just incredibly more frustrating. Yeah, it can be very, very frustrating. So we, we try to, you know, teach people ways of coping with that. I mean, there's actually been kind of a, a turn. I'm, I'm just discovering this coming from, so I come from a neuroscience background and they would always kind of drop it in when we're talking about human perception and, uh, you know, aphasia is this loss of speech. And I was like, okay, so they can't speak. I thought that's what aphasia was. And then I started volunteering and I was like, oh no, no, this, there's so much more to it than that. And it's, it's really dependent on the person, but of course we can find ways. Like there are folks who use their phones a lot. They do a lot of texting. There's Google lens. There's, um, you know, you can use that to point at any sign and have it go text to speech. There are all kinds of different ways. And then of course folks come up with their own too, which is great. Yeah, that gives the power back to them and to what you were speaking to about finding that parking spot, identifying a method that works best is really kind of bringing more ownership into that, I would imagine. Definitely, definitely. That's, I mean, they, each, each person with aphasia is the expert on what they are dealing with, for sure. So mm -hmm. even, even like a speech language pathologist would then just step in as a coach, you know, each person is their own expert of what they're dealing with.
And so you started speaking um, a little bit to the kind of support that Friends of Aphasia is providing. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what that is and particularly what your role is there as the AmeriCorps member? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually it's a, it's such a cool story because it does involve like the community. And I believe I was listening to KXCI when I heard this story. It might have been an Arizona spotlight. But I had become interested in aphasia. I had just talked to someone, a local florist, who had, we ended up talking for an hour, and I, I just went to order flowers, but we talked for an hour about her experience. And then on the radio, I heard this story about friends of aphasia, including like some of the members themselves speaking for themselves on the radio. And I'm like, that's amazing. So I emailed Fabi and got involved almost immediately. And this is during COVID. So another barrier there. Um, but what, what they're doing is we're doing group sessions. So the community aspect of it is huge to not be isolated, to not feel like you're alone and to practice like normal usable conversation skills. So we've been doing that on zoom. I've been working there for about 10 months. So we often have, um, like multiple sessions a day. So people have like freedom and what, what time they want to want to come in and do groups, but we have themes. So like when it's Tucson rodeo time, we have a rodeo theme. Um, sometimes such on holidays. Um, sometimes it's just really, really practical stuff, like all about going to the grocery store, you know, usable, usable things. And there's usually a lot of humor, um, a lot of positivity. Like we have such a great group of people that they show up every day, just ready to work. Um, and also have fun. Like they're, we're, we're friends too. Um, so we have segments like what's going on in your life and who did this and you know, who went, who went birding at a, at a national park this weekend. And it's, it's just fantastic. So I help create some of the content for that. I help lead groups and, um, which, you know, we do, we end up doing breaking off into small groups, like maybe four or five people and a group leader. And the content is all via Zoom right now. Um, but there are, it's accessible to everyone. So there are like, there's some naming, we do some kind of short answers, but often there are options, you know, and there are photographs, um, they're numbered because it, uh, the range of abilities is really, really broad. So some folks, you know, prefer to do like thumbs up, thumbs down, hold up fingers. Some folks, um, you know, speaking complete sentences, it's just a complete, complete range. And we try to make it accessible to everyone. And what kind of skills do you think the facilitator of those spaces would need to have? Um, patience and listening skills are really important. And uh, if you'd asked me, like, I don't know, even five or 10 years ago, if I could see myself doing this kind of work, I probably would have said no. Because those aren't, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the most patient person in the world, but it's been a great, you know, exercise for me too. You know, it, it doesn't turn into, I think this is what a lot of people feel initially. Like maybe it's, it's like a guessing game, you know, try to try to guess what they're saying. That's not the point at all. It's really about holding that extra space and that extra time, even if it's only, you know, a few more seconds. And it's amazing to see again and again that if given just a little bit of extra time and space, they, they get there. They can get it out. It just takes a little bit longer. 
So Libby, you mentioned you have a background in neuroscience, and then you found Friends of Aphasia and have been immersing yourself into this kind of field of work. And I know that you are currently at the U of A attending school. Can you talk to me a little bit more about your education, either previous education that you had, the things that you're learning now, and how you would like to apply that in the future in the position you're in now? Sure. It was a, I took a very, a very windy path to where I am now. So I was actually, I, I dropped out of high school when I was 17 and joined a ballet company. And then I was a ballet dancer until I, I turned 34 and then I retired and I had become really interested in neuroscience because that field is just exploding. Like the tech that we have available to us now is wild. And some questions you know, who knows if we'll ever answer, like, where are the neural correlates of consciousness? That's the kind of stuff that I was really into, like brains and philosophy. So I started there, um, got really drawn into language. Um, I took an amazing biolinguistics class, and we had free reign. So every week, we would just write a paper on something related to what we were talking about. And I found ways to relate aphasia to it again, and again, and again, and again. And then started volunteering. And now, like, I, I was expecting to, to graduate this spring. But then I discovered that by adding a minor, I could apply for a master's next year as a speech-language pathologist. So, again, my plans have just... Uh, talk about patience, like I'm teaching myself. Um, I'll just wait a little bit longer. Keep working because I love the work. So, and I, I'll devour any books that I can on the subject. I just picked one up from Himmel Library on the way over here. Like there's always more to learn. And that's, that's another thing. Like you don't have to be an expert to get started and to get involved. Like that will come. So it sounds like you are really on this path of finding your parking space. Yeah. I'm looking for my parking space too. (laughs) You started out and you currently are a volunteer. Um, What typical support are, are y'all looking for from volunteers? Oh, from volunteers. So I, again, this is something I will be learning about shortly. We're about to go back to in-person sessions, which is going to be a whole nother animal for me. I have no experience with that yet, but we still need, you know, we still need help with Zoom sessions too, because that was really neat. We got um, members who had been with the center in the past and then moved away, could rejoin the groups and hang out with their friends via Zoom. So that's been really neat. And I, I don't think we're going to lose that. But then also folks at, at the center, you don't even have to help with groups themselves. But, you know, there's there's all that that stuff on the back end. And I, I help with some of that, too, like administrative work, you know, formatting newsletters, um, organizing the donations. We have tabling events. Um, and some of that is like new, just like the AmeriCorps relationship. This was our first year at Festival of Books. And I, I got to set all of that up. I was so nervous, but it was so exciting. And just amazing. We were we had a presence at Cyclovia, and then there are, there are related things that each of the group members do as well. You know, I, we've got folks that show up for Spokes Tucson Adaptable Cycling, and it's it's just amazing to see all the work going on. All you have to do is is show up, and I know I know there are places for for everyone to help and pitch in. And how are you all trying to spread the word either to potential clients or even volunteers? Oh, yeah, that's so volunteers. I mean, 
Now I'm working with AmeriCorps. We have a new way of reaching out. Um, Definitely the community events, having a presence, being out there. So one of the things that happened at Festival of Books is not only were we approached by people who were like, oh, I, I, you know, my family member had aphasia. There are the folks who are saying, what is aphasia? Uh, Which is great. It's a great way to reach people. But I was surprised that a lot of healthcare professionals um, just from around town were like, I would love to know more about this. I would love to have some resources because I think a lot of times it really is just not talked about enough. So I'm, I mean, I think we'd, we'd do great to make some short videos, have those online available, maybe start doing, um, you know, an, an hour session, just educating in, in advanced care facilities or like elderly care facilities, even though the age range is pretty broad too. I mean, often aphasia occurs after a stroke and it, it probably hits the, the older community more often, but you know, we have a young stroke survivors program that we're starting to because it it really can happen anytime. So are you finding when you are communicating either with other healthcare providers or just kind of the general public, are you finding that people really don't know what it is? Like a majority of the people you're talking to don't have never heard of this before. Yeah, I would say that's, that's accurate. Um, Most people just haven't heard of of it and it, it, it affects like 2 million Americans. I mean, you know, we have kind of an idea. Strokes are not terribly uncommon. And I think the last I heard, it was approximately 45% of people who have a stroke do, do have some aphasia. Some people bounce back really quickly. You know, some people will never get back to where they were. Again, like every brain is different. Every brain injury is different. And every brain is going to react differently to an injury. So it's, it's, we actually, I think, the fact that Bruce Willis was recently diagnosed with aphasia, I mean, did a lot for awareness mm-hmm. of it because it's not, you know, of course, folks with aphasia themselves are going to have a really hard time being vocal about it because it's a communication disorder. So that it makes it tricky and we need to do more. Now, this might be a silly question, but do you think that because, and hopefully this narrative will change, But because of right now, there is such a lack of knowledge around aphasia. Do you think that there are folks that perhaps have it that maybe don't even realize it? I think that could be the case. I really do. And that's, that's, I think sometimes there's a, there may be a concern of it, it being secondary to something else. So when you have a traumatic brain injury, or like one of our, our founders at Friends of Aphasia is Gabby Giffords. She has aphasia. Now, that is a huge issue. But of course, initially, like the huge issue is, is gun violence and the injury itself, like life-threatening things. So I feel like just as a matter of course, it kind of gets pushed back because there are really, really big issues that precede it mm-hmm. that have to be dealt with first. And maybe that's part of why. I'm not sure. But yeah, we definitely need to still still work on it. Anything else, Libby, that you wanted to add or talk about today? You know, I think we covered a lot. I would say definitely, you know, hop online. It's so it's so easy. Friendsofaphasia.org, um, aphasia.org, um, ASHA, the American Speech Language Hearing Science 
there's so much information really at your fingertips. And, you know, find, find some videos of people who have aphasia talking about their aphasia. You will see such a huge variety, a huge variety of, of what people are dealing with and how they're dealing with it. And you might be really surprised and you might be really, really inspired. Well, thank you so much, Libby. I feel like just in this past 20 minutes, I've learned so much just from talking to you. And hopefully folks who are listening are also learning something new today and maybe feel inspired to continue educating themselves and uh, figuring out ways that we can all be supportive to one another in our communities. And I wish you luck as you wrap up your service as well as your schooling and as you continue to find your parking space. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to This AmeriCorps Life, produced by Arizona Serve of Prescott College. Find out more at arizonaserve.org and at prescott.edu.